Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Some storms, ventures of faith, are in the will of God. And they're storms of maturity. You see, Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood, you'll see this as we go through, that he was God and there was nothing too difficult for God. The only way to do that is to put them on a venture of faith that would test their resolve, their faith. Some storms come into our lives because of disobedience. If we violate the principles of God's word, we cannot expect life to go well for us. But some storms arise because of our obedience. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that not every storm is because of disobedience. God wants to teach us to depend on him. Sometimes the only way he can do that is to put us on an adventure of faith, a trial so that we have to lean upon him. God uses this to draw us nearer to himself. How are you responding to the trials in your life? Are you using them to draw nearer to Him? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, Risky Living, Yes. Well, if you go to England, a lot of things are different than here. And one of the things that is always in front of your face is tea. Here's an example. The area where we were near Manchester, and there's a county there, Harrogate, a city, and that's where Yorkshire tea is made. And this tea, it's an amazing tea. It's one of my favorites. Actually, we brought a bunch back with us because you can't get the tea here. All you can get is Lipton or whatever. Uh, this tea, each of those tea bags is made of 20 different kinds of teas from three places in the world. It's amazing. Well, four to five to six to seven times a day, here's what you hear. Would you like some tea? Would you like some tea? Would you like some tea? And they just, I mean, they, they got to be growing tea out of their ears. They just love tea. Do you know that people are like tea bags? You're like a tea bag. Here's why. You have to put them in hot water before you know how strong they are. When you take that tea bag, you put it in the hot water. And you have to leave it there, and the longer you leave it there, the more strength you can see from that tea. That's exactly the way people are. In our lesson today, Jesus is gonna take his disciples, and because of a boat ride, he's gonna dip them into some hot water. And he's going to see how their faith is, how strong their faith is. As we go through this, there's great applications for all of us. Let's begin chapter 14, verse 22. 
Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. Immediately from verse 22, we know what that meant. Jesus had just finished feeding 20,000 plus people supernaturally. After he did that, he did three things. Boom, boom, boom. Number one, he sent his disciples on a venture of faith boat ride. Oh, they didn't know they were going to be tested. They were used to boats. They were used to the Galilee. But Jesus knew this was a time to put the tea bag of the disciples in hot water. He was going to see what they were made like. Number two, as we read, the next thing he did, he wanted to escape from the crowd. So he sent them back to their home. Now, why would he do that? Well, in one of the other gospels, John chapter six, we see why he did that. Take a look. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. You see, because Jesus fed the people and because he healed the people, And because he taught the people, they were ready to make him king. They thought the Messiah was going to be someone that would be here on earth, overrule the Romans, and minister to them as the nation of Israel. This messianic enthusiasm got involved in them, and they began saying, okay, we're ready to make him king, we're ready to make him king. And Jesus heard this, and he knew they didn't know, but Satan was using that idea to do one thing. You see, Jesus had come to earth for a reason, to go to the cross. He wasn't going to be an earthly king. That would come way later when he comes back to the earth after the tribulation. So he knew he couldn't get up into this pride deal, and he knew behind their wonderful wishes wasn't a bad thing. They just didn't know it. But behind that was Satan. First principle for you to write down today, if you take notes, is this. Don't let anyone... Or anything keep you from doing God's will in your life. See, Jesus understood that while Satan hates Christians who do the will of God. I mean, it would have been a pleasure for Satan to get Jesus sidetracked. God has a will for your life. It's a plan. It's very specific. It's day by day. And we need to seek and understand that plan. And you cannot let anything deter you, get you off the mark, get you unfocused on that which God wants you to do. Because when you do, you do not accomplish the will of God. The most important thing you can ever do in your life, I can ever do in my life, is number one, know the will of God, and then do the will of God. Number three, he didn't only send his disciples away in a boat ride, a venture of faith. He didn't only send the crowd home. But then when everybody was gone, Jesus went up to the hillside alone to pray. During his earthly ministry, Jesus was in constant contact with God. It didn't matter how busy he was, didn't matter how successful he was, he knew he had to communicate privately with his father. This prayer time, this two-way communication between God, that's what prayer is, between God and man, kept Jesus on track, 
kept him focused, kept him doing exactly the will of God. You see, prayer was not a side issue with Jesus. It was a priority. And again, Jesus was setting an example for his disciples to follow. The disciples knew that Jesus went to take time to pray to his father. Second thing you want to write this morning is this. If we are going to be like Jesus, we will regularly take time to pray in private. Regularly take time to pray in private. Let me ask you a question. This last week, did you do that? Did you get alone for a little bit of time with God? You see, if you didn't, let me encourage you this week to do that. Because if we don't spend any time with God in two-way conversation, not in one-way conversation, God, I need this and this and this, thank you, this, 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 this. No, 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 that's one way. But we need to be listening to God. God wants to speak to us his will. And you say, well, I don't believe God speaks that way. Oh, yes, he does. And to do it, we have to get alone. If you haven't been taking time to get alone, I'd encourage you to do that. That's where we hear from God. That's where we stay on course, doing the things he wants us to do. Jesus sent his disciples on a venture of faith. What is a venture? Here's what it is. It's an undertaking that is dangerous, daring, and of uncertain outcome. It means to proceed to take a risk despite possible danger. That's a venture. A venture of faith. The Bible is filled with ventures of faith. Abraham, go to a country that you don't know. David against Goliath. Talk about a venture of faith. Gideon. All the Bible is just filled with these ventures of faith. Let me give you a little idea of how that works. Uh, yesterday morning, I was out doing my walk early around 6 a.m., And as I went down the road, I came across a little turtle who had just managed getting across the street in our subdivision, and he was heading to the lake behind my house. Well, let me give you an idea how that works. This turtle um, got ahead for one reason. By the way, when I walk by that turtle, what do you think the turtle did? How does a turtle go ahead? A turtle only goes ahead, watch me, by sticking his neck out. Did you get it? You see, a turtle can't go ahead unless he sticks his head out. But when I walked by the turtle, what did he do? He was afraid, so he stuck his head where? In. And he went into his little shell. I watched. As soon as I was behind him, and he could tell that the motion wasn't there anymore, I watched his head come up. And he stuck out his head, and he headed on. Do you understand that you will never, ever get ahead in life unless you learn to stick your neck out? Did you get it? Some of you don't live life like that. You live in a little shell, afraid to do anything. See, that turtle would starve to death if he didn't stick his neck out. Here's the thing I want you to write. God designed our lives to be one venture of faith after another. To move forward, the turtle has to get out of his comfort zone. He has to stick out his head. That requires risk, risk. Well, why was Jesus sending his disciples on this venture of faith? Even though they didn't know they were going to enter a storm, Jesus did. Why did he do that? Well, his ministry was coming to a close. You know, he only ministered three and a half years before he would go to the cross. 
He knew the disciples needed their faith exercised. They would need strong faith once he was gone from the scene to carry out God's mission of taking the good news to the world. Next key, faith must be exercised or tested to grow. You see, the only way our faith grows is to be tested. The only way you know how strong that tea is is to put it in hot water. You can't look at it and tell. It must go in the hot water. That gives us an understanding. The only way to move forward is to stick your neck out and take a venture of faith. Jesus knew this. He put the disciples in that circumstance. Look back at verse 22 where we started. I want you to look at this word. It's interesting. It says immediately Jesus, here's the word I want you to focus on, made the disciples get in the boat. That word main means commanded, strongly urged. Now Jesus could have forced them to obey. He could actually, he was God, he could actually pick them up and put them in the boat. But he didn't. But he did strongly urge them. Some or all of the disciples could have said, we're tired of boat rides. All you want to do is to get us to the other side. We'll walk the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and we'll meet you over there. We're not getting in the boat. Let me ask you a question. You know the story. What if they refused to go there? Would they have missed out on anything? Absolutely. You see, as you think about that today, you say, well, it's nice, Pastor Mark, you're talking about ventures of faith. That's great. That isn't for me. That's for somebody else. No, it's for you. Every single Christian is to be going on ventures of faith. Now, will God make you do it? Absolutely not. But you need to understand this morning, he will arrange the circumstances, and this sermon is one of those circumstances, to challenge you to get out of your shell and begin sticking your neck out for Jesus. You'll see why by the time this teaching is over. If any of the disciples would have missed it and not obeyed and not took a step of faith, a venture of faith, stuck their neck out, got in the middle of the hot water, they would have missed an incredible venture and walked ashore a boring life. Not what God wanted. Next thing I want you to write is this. Complete obedience is required in our ventures of faith. You see, when God says speak, we step. When God speaks to you today in your life about ventures of faith, of getting out of your shell, of quit being afraid, you don't do it in your timing, you do it in God's timing. It says that Jesus asked them to get into the boat, they got in the boat. God wants us to risk everything to obey and follow his commands. So the disciples did get in the boat, they did obey God, and that was wonderful. Look at verse 23, the end of it. When evening came, he, Jesus, was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. You see, the disciples went out, they'd been used to this, they knew the Sea of Galilee, but all of a sudden this huge storm came up. They obeyed Jesus, and they were in the middle of a storm. Christians have this concept. I don't know where we got it really, but Christians have this concept that if they ever come into a difficult place in their life, if there's a storm or a trouble or something comes up in their life, it's for one reason, it's because they disobeyed God. 
Well, that is true some of the time. Some of the times we get in hot water, we get into a trial, we get into a corner, we get into a really tough spot because we have disobeyed God. And God sends us storms of correction. Jonah is a perfect example. But that is not the case here. Jesus said to his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. They obeyed God. They're in the perfect will of God. And yet, now what? They're in a storm. What kind of storm is it? Here's what you want to write. Some storms, ventures of faith, are in the will of God. And they're storms of maturity. You see, Jesus wanted to make sure that the disciples understood, you'll see this as we go through, that he was God And there was nothing too difficult for God. The only way to do that is to put them on a venture of faith that would test their resolve, their faith. It would determine what they believed and what kind of maturity was in their life. Look at verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, the fourth hour of the night would have been 3 to 6 a.m. So get this picture. How long are the disciples rowing against this storm? Up to nine hours. Now, notice, Jesus comes walking on the water. Now, I want you to go back to verse 24 for a second. Maybe two months ago, in the newspaper, a scientist here somewhere in the world, he determined how Jesus did this. Do you remember the story? This scientist figured... He went back 2,000 years and looked at the Doppler reports or whatever, and he determined that it was, it was very cold in Israel, and actually the Sea of Galilee froze over. You remember I had a picture of Jesus on, on ice skates, you remember? And that's how he believed Jesus got there. People do anything to get away from a miracle. Notice, let's look at this verse. I want you to see it just so clearly, because this guy who wrote this was funky. Look at, look at verse 24. But when the boat was already considerable distance from shore, from land, it was buffeted by the waves. When's the last time you ice skated and the waves just kept buffeting over you on the water? <laughs> Hello? Waves don't buffet from ice. Do you get it? This guy's an idiot. <laughs> nice idiot, but he's an idiot. Jesus didn't skate. Jesus walked on the water. Now, let's talk about this. We know that Jesus saw the disciples. It's up to nine hours. They're, they're afraid for their lives. You see, when we're in the middle of a storm, all of us, Satan begins to play with our minds. The battle is always in the mind. Now, what would the disciples have been thinking in their mind? Well, We don't know, but I can guarantee you because I've been there and you've been there. Here's what they're saying. Why did Jesus send us out to die? I thought he was God. He he doesn't even know that there's a storm coming. And since there is a storm coming, he can see us from land. Why isn't he here to help me? Have you ever said things like that to God? Yes. You see, in the mind is where the battle was. I don't know, but maybe they didn't understand, but I'm sure they'd heard this verse in the Old Testament. Even though they didn't have the scrolls, they had been taught many, many things from the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, in the, in the book of Isaiah 43, 2, it says this. It's a promise from God. When you pass through the waters, 
I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. You see, if they'd just gone back to scripture, they would have felt okay, and the battle of their mind could have been won. Here's how you destroy the enemy's lies in your mind. You replace it with the truth of God's word. That's why we're studying the word of God right here, right now. Now, the disciples didn't know, but Jesus was on shore, and part of his prayer time during that nine hours, he was praying for his disciples. He could see what was happening in this venture of faith. You see, if you're a Christian today, you're in one of three areas in your life. You're either getting ready to start a venture of faith, you're either in the middle of a venture of faith, or you're just ending a venture of faith. That's it if you're a mature Christian. Now, if you're not a mature Christian, let me tell you where you are. I won't even have to say words. And let me just say to you, you're not living, you're existing. You might as well be put in somebody's tank where they can hand feed you. Because there's no joy, there's no fulfillment, there's no excitement, there's no risk in your life. And God did not design you that way. You say, well, that's my personality. Has nothing to do with personality. So if you're a maturing Christian, you're either getting ready to take a venture of faith, a step of faith to the unknown, or you're right in the middle of it now, and you might be in that area where we're going and saying, where in the world is God in this thing? Or you've just come out of it and go, whoo, I made it. Guess what? You're going to start another one shortly. That's what life is. It's one venture of faith after another. Well, the disciples didn't know it, but on the side of that hill, Jesus was praying for them. They didn't see it, they didn't know it, but Jesus was praying for them. I want to encourage you today. Do you know that wherever you are in those three things, starting a venture, in the middle of a venture, really tough place, or coming out of one, do you know this morning that Jesus is interceding for you? Look at this verse from Romans, you'll see it. It's so clear to us as you take a look at this verse, Romans 8, 34. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. He's interceding for you. Now, what's he interceding for? Make it through. Go for it. Take a step of faith. You're going to be okay. See, he's encouraging you. He's praying for you right now. He's at the right hand of the Father. That gives me great hope this morning because I need him interceding for me. Well, look at verse 26. As Jesus came walking on the water, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in circle the word and and fear. Disobedience often brings trials into our lives. We can't consistently violate God's principles from His Word and expect life to go well for us. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminded us that trials are not just for the disobedient, but for the obedient as well. Why? Because God uses trials to teach us to lean upon Him in greater dependence. Are you trusting in God? Have you allowed the trials of life to drive you into His presence? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
there's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. What comes to mind as you think of an adventure of faith? A great missionary exploit? Some great work which God allows you to be a part of? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us that there are two kinds of people those who are going through a trial and those who are about to. We all experience trials. Pastor Mark challenges us to consider trials as adventures of faith, opportunities to learn to trust God more. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.